Handbook for Humanity is a production of the DeZormo Foundation, a nonprofit whose goal is to support the dignity of life, born and unborn. If you would like to support Handbook for Humanity and our mission to share truthful conversation about the body, spirit, sexuality, and being a better human today, visit DeZormoFoundation.org. That's D-E-S-O-R-M-E-A-U-X Foundation.org. To donate, look under Funds column and choose Theology of the Body. Thank you for your prayers and support. Thank you once again for joining us on Handbook for Humanity. We do want to extend and offer the disclaimer for this episode in our third part in our series about pornography, uh, that the content and the conversation today is intended for mature listeners. So if you have children or even some young adults of a certain age, we would ask that you advise uh, them or offer discretion, again, as to the audience that will be listening to the show. So uh, thank you for joining us, and um, we hope that it is a blessing to you. Today is the third part of our series on pornography, and... Uh, I don't say as always. I always trip up and say that as always because I'm not always here. But uh, your host, Colby Allen, and joining me again is Mr. Tom. Thank you very much. Good to be here. And uh, it's the Kobe and Tom show today for the first time. So uh, inaugural true. episode. But no, um, we will have Becky and Adele back really soon. So, um, But looking forward to this, this topic and this show. Um, it's in, important for our listeners. Thank you. Actually, it's one of the benefits, I think, of having so many hosts is we have the flexibility to, to fill in when people have other commitments. So but yeah, so again, this is our episode number three in our series on the naked truth about porn, um, education, protection, and healing. Uh, in our first episode, we had the conversation with Miss Margaret talking about legal considerations and protections around children and, and other things of that nature and, and how there's a lot of, I think, things behind the scenes that people don't quite see or understand, but it's very crucial to this conversation. Second one we have with Mr. Greg Broussard talking about healing of addiction in terms of marriage and relationships and how that can affect them. Um, but today we have, I don't say a similar story, but a different perspective on that story of a couple who um, has experienced some of the issues that we've talked about, but has taken steps and, and stayed engaged with one another to try to find healing in that circumstance uh, versus what may be another outcome. So we have today Jay and Christy. So welcome. Thank you so much. And again, we're grateful for you being here. Thank you for having us. Awesome. Thank you. We're very blessed to be here. How about um, y'all take a minute to just introduce yourselves, where you're from, and, and a little bit about your story. Well, um, like, um, my name's Jay, and um, this is my wife, Kristen. We've been married for 14 years um, in December of last year. Um, we have uh, four nope. children and six grandchildren. <laughs> wow. Um, and they all older and... and uh, the kids are from our previous marriage, so. Um. We're from the Acadiana area. I can, say, I can, I can add that, I guess. Um, yeah, like you said, we've been married uh, 14 years, and our kids are grown and have moved on and, and having families of their own. So we're, we're enjoying the second uh, cycle of, of our relationship and enjoying the grandchildren. Awesome. I think uh, so Tom said you have three of your own children. I've got one who's almost two, so I think we're all in different stages in this mm-hmm. room. Yeah, but I know we, we are uh, not doing video yet, but maybe one day that'll come up in the future, but uh, you guys are, look awfully young to have uh, <laughs> grandchildren, so you're you're going to be the active grandparents. I can see that. Um, we still have the ability to get around and do things with them. That's awesome. 
Absolutely. We're big hikers and outdoors, outdoorsmen, hunting, fishing, that kind of stuff. So that's, that's our contribution to our, to our grandchildren's lives. Hopefully, you know, living in, in sportsman's paradise, how Mm -hmm. can we not show them that, that area of uh, our wonderful Louisiana culture? Yeah. Those are some great memories you guys are creating. So uh, keep, keep up the good work. Yeah. So uh, yeah, thank you for introducing, telling us a little about yourself. How about, um, I guess in the context of our conversation, uh, you were invited and, and offered to share part of your story about the struggles that y'all have encountered in terms of addiction and, and pornography in your relationship and your marriage. Uh, so uh, if you don't mind, maybe just take a minute to, I don't know exactly where to start, but um, if you were to share this story with someone, how would you, I guess, start that conversation? Or- All right, I'll let, I'll let Jay um, start this one. <clears throat> so... Um- at an early age in in my life, uh, my parents were real busy boat working, and um, you know you're always digging through your parents' stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. I eventually came across uh, some magazines, and uh, that was my first exposure to pornography. Um, as years went by, um, I was also like. I was sexually abused by a older neighborhood friend. Mm. And then um I guess we move on to now and um I had a lot of free time and I would uh surf the web and chat with women online and then eventually it turned to you know, can you send me pictures or uh just whatever I could feel in control I could do and ask them to do and um it led to meeting them online and I mean meeting for sex so um it 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 was a big struggle um I I would always say I'm gonna I'm gonna quit this I'm not doing this anymore but um some people probably can quit alone but I was struggling to to do it on my own so I had to reach out and get some help and I've been sober now for two and a half years awesome congrats so you said the moments that you 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 made the decision like say hey I want to quit but then recognizing that you know we don't have the power to do it on our own so um I guess maybe for other young men or other people that are listening that may be going through something similar, what would be, I guess, that spark or that, that actual step to, to realize, like, I can't do this on my own. And I actually need to reach out to someone. Cause I know last week we, we also talked about, um, having good people in your life with Greg. Mm. And I think this is probably the same, same story and same situation where you might need another man in your life or something else in your life to, to really help you either learn or have that accountability or whatever that may be so well first of all whenever um christy found out um i was using porn on my on my phone so she was seeing the the, like how strange numbers and and like i would protect my phone all Mm. the time like from anyone i would take it to the bathroom with me i would take it wherever i went my phone came with me because you never know if someone's going to text you back that you 
you text earlier during the day. So um, eventually, whenever she did, you know, find out the, the truth, um, the first thing I did was go and seek out my parish priest and told him what I was going through. And, and then eventually we uh, found a Catholic therapist and then my uh, support group. And ever, I've been going over there for the last two and a half years. And it's, uh, it's good to have someone that's, uh, you know, reliable to talk to and, um, what did you call it? Um, accountability, accountability sure, sure. partners. Yeah. Well, you said something interesting. If I could share real quick, uh, last night, my wife and I were doing our, our Lenten devotional together. And one of the passages was from Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Oh yeah. And he was saying, it's like the second day of Lent and it was talking about the, the gravity of sin and how we are ashamed of, you know, like stuff that's going on in our life. And it's either, yeah, the attempt to hide it or to deflect. And in particular, he's talking about humility in that oftentimes if we're faced with a situation like what you describe, and I've done the same in like at work sometimes or other times where like I'm, I missed the mark on something and instead of trying to take ownership of it, I, I try to put the blame on something that somebody else did to take attention away. But in that moment, yeah, we're trying to take attention away from us and put it somewhere else um, from shame. And uh, not to say a plug for one of our last episodes, but we've had several episodes where we talk about the concept of shame. And mm. and uh, maybe I can ask you about that too. It's like people think shame is in like, I've, I've done something bad. I need to just hide. But I think in many cases it's it's a fear of thinking that we won't be loved. Whenever, I guess you were saying you were trying to hide your phone or maybe what are some of the thoughts or feelings that you had? and making those decisions well yes i was uh it was a shameful thing to do you know to to your spouse and um as a going back to childhood um we didn't really um tell our feelings mm. you know as I, when i was growing up um we always kept everything secret and um if if no one knew about it you know you had it everything was good your life was good um, you didn't have any problems, and I don't. Um, Christy could maybe explain something else uh, that that I went through. Well, after therapy and going through retrovi and the things that we've learned, Jay's also learned that that was a way of self-medicating mm. as a child. Yeah. You know, when when I when we got to the point where I found out what was going on, he did not know that he was addicted to sex porn, masturbation, any of that stuff that yeah. was absolutely foreign to him. Mm. He, he was able to so compartmentalize what he was doing and keep it wholly separate from our marriage, our life. He can tell you better than I can, um, he felt happy and content in the marriage. The addiction was the part of him that was looking for control and and feeding that shame cycle so it was just it was a constant cycle it was a constant um evolution for him that he would act out be full of shame act out again was the only way to keep that that shame lower or or buried and feeling good about himself you know uh, 
at the foremost of his of his mind. Bury the rest. And maybe since um, we we got Jay's side of it there, kind of going back to the beginning, Christy, maybe just share some experiences that you had as this part of your life started to unfold. I've I've heard from women before when they said. I never knew, I never suspected it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I ever believed or disbelieved women until I faced that mm-hmm. for myself. Yeah. And when I say, this is not what I expected to find on his phone, I'm serious, I, I never did. I thought it was about finances. Mm-hmm. You know, what's a, what's a huge destroyer of, of marriages is finance. He was... Um, opening up his own business at the time, you know, going to be self-employed. That's a, that's a scary, that's a scary thing, a scary venture. And I thought he was giving money to family and just didn't want to tell me because he just didn't want to, you know, feel like, you know, that I would be upset or something because we were risking a lot by him going to business, you know, for himself. So when I tell you, I was completely shocked. Mm. Um, and as the disclosure process happened, um, th- this was nothing of the man that I knew that I was married to, the man that I met. This, this man was absolutely foreign to me. Hmm. Absolutely just, you, if, if some, at some point he would have just came out and said, no, this is all a joke, it's a bad dream, wake up. That, you know, that, that would have been more believable. That would have made more sense. Wow. Absolutely. But, you know, thank God, very early on in the, um, in the disclosure process, I feel like we both were given what our community calls God winks, mm-hmm. you know, where we just had the, you know, Holy Spirit really was um, divinely interceding. Because as I'm, you know, doing the, the I'm going to divorce this guy and, and all the other things that come with it. I'm making the list of the lawyer and the bank accounts and where the house and I need to call a realtor and this because that was it. At that moment, I was gone. I was packing. I was gone. And a voice that was not my own, but that was out loud, literally said, you will forgive him. So much so that I like dropped the pen and stopped to see who's talking to me. Wow. Like, because there was wow. something there. And it, the voice was strong, compassionate. It wasn't, you know, my father telling me I was going to clean up my mess and, you know, go <laughs> yeah. apologize to my sister. It wasn't anything like that. It was, yeah. it was truly from the heart. And that was at the first moment that I even entertained the idea that we might be able to recover from this and that's what led us to find well he had already gone to the parish priest and i think the priest might have been more aware than jay was at the time of what he might be facing Uh, but within that within a matter of i don't know what do you say a week we were in a therapist's office we were with father jules wow yeah who told jay about margaret Who's healing hearts mm-hmm. and the episode y'all did a couple episodes ago. Yep. Within ten days, all of these things are happening. And I think that and we signed up for retrovive, but it wasn't gonna be for another two months. Those were the the catalysts that would help save our marriage. Those things happening all at one time. Even though I was in 
both of us really were in the the most misery we had ever been. There was a light yeah. there. I tried to tell a friend. I tried to, you know, talk to her and and just kind of feel it out. And I was a. She gave what I probably, you know, three or four years ago, I probably would have said the same thing if somebody told this to me. But you know, you, yeah, you got to leave him. This is not going to work. Mm. He's not. He's just not a good person. But that, yeah, I'm shocked. Like literally stunned because for you to say that within a week or two weeks that you're seeking therapy and you're seeking confession and then you're trying to find reconciliation. I don't know many couples that I've encountered that have the same story. Cause like you said, like friend was giving you advice, leaving him or like, I know other young couples that had the issue before getting into marriage. And then the wife found out or the husband found out about something that she was doing after the fact. And like, I didn't know, like you're saying, like it's just the shock factor, but the openness and the courage to, one, be open to admitting what's going on, and then two, have the courage to try to even re-engage with one another. Like, thank you. It's gratitude. Yeah, that, that word courage and strength is just shouting at me so loud. So congratulations on uh, you guys. As Greg, when he shared some of the stories, he gave mm-hmm. us some statistics and He was saying it was alcoholism as well as pornography in the 90 percentile. Of course, his ministry is helping people with divorce. So Mm -hmm. these are people who had actually been divorced already. So that it just seems like an unrecoverable wreck, you know, that that happens. But, uh, man, congratulations. Uh, Awesome. Yeah. True witnesses. I'm trying to think, too. So share a little bit. My personal story I mentioned a few times, but I've also been through gambling addiction. And I've been through GA and a couple other things for treatment um, before I got married. So I went through it single. But I I can't imagine had I been doing that during my marriage. Because like you, you mentioned, you felt something was off and you might thought it might have been money because that's a pretty common issue for a lot mm-hmm. of couples. And so like, yeah, like our finances today are still kind of screwy because I messed them up years ago and then I took it into the marriage. But um, I I don't know how my wife would have reacted. And so, again, like the, the openness and the courage to, to even entertain the thought of reconciliation um, is beautiful. And so to that, maybe we, we want to ask, like, what are some uh, maybe tips or, or words of hope that you could offer to another couple who might be either having the same suspicions or going through a similar situation? First of all, I want to... Um before we go to that, I want to say, um, I think God was preparing us before Christy found out, because months before, um, we did a program called Exodus ninety. Mm-hmm. Y'all familiar? Yes. Familiar? Yeah. yeah. So um, we we quit we quit drinking alcohol. We uh, would daily you know, mass, daily prayer, daily exercise, confession. Sorry. Sorry, babe. Um, yeah, I was doing Fiat Fiat ninety, hmm. and he was doing Exodus, and we kind of just sh- you know shared on it. But we you know we gave up everything. Got you know got kind of healthy physically, spiritually. We were you know being guided by our parish priests who were fabulous, wonderful. Um, and I think Jay's right. I'll let you continue. Well, <clears throat> so I mean, if we would have been doing all the things that we were doing before Exodus. 
you know, drinking, and we'd have had a terrible fight, and um, thing I think things would have been way worse than than they w- actually were. Wow. Um, but I- being transparent, you know, is a uh, another thing that I learned because I I lied through a lot, a lot, a lot of the the process of uh, the disclosure. So I I would say find a good therapist and you and your wife go together and do a honest disclosure together with the therapist because we did it all the wrong way we we did piece by piece and it it was like pulling off a scab on her wound every time i would tell her a new thing Mm. it would it would start the process from day one again well, I'll interject for you because I'm, I'm going to save you on this one. <laughs> it wasn't because Jay was a bad person. Mm, yeah. no. I wouldn't have thought that at the time. At the time, yes, I thought he was a terrible person. But like, looking back at it now, it's all he knew. Yeah. It's what he grew up with. You know, that's, that's his family of origin experience, you know, to, to hide, hide the feelings, self-medicate. So if he would just give a little piece at a time and would say, okay, that was it. Because anything more, you know, it's going to hurt her. And I, and I honestly do believe, and, and, you know, with therapy and stuff, I honestly do believe that's really what he was thinking. That it was not about just protecting him. Of course, it was about protecting him and protecting the marriage. But it was more so about protecting me. Because this is a guy who would take a bullet for me. He's, you know, what my daddy and I used to say, old school, you know, like he's an old school, old soul gentleman. He and my my grandfather, if my grandfather had been living, would have been best friends. That's just the kind of guy he is. And so a guy who's going to take a bullet for you is, you know, at the same time is going to protect you, even if it's to to his detriment, even if it's, you know, Mm -hmm. causing problems in the marriage. He will will try to protect. Now, I see, um, again... um, Shout out to possible YouTube coming up, but uh, no one can actually see us in the studio. But uh, I see you guys have some bracelets on, um, mm-hmm. and I recognize those. Uh, I'll go ahead and, and show you guys as well on, on my wrist. So uh, Axe, uh, did that play a part? I'm just kind of jumping into that. Was that or was that something you guys did previous? Previously. that But that was an early an early sign i think god really was jay jay was right god really was pointing us in the right direction one step at a time that we would allow you mm. know like here, let, yeah preparing yeah. let me do this you know let me do this let me show you this let me bring you here so that when it actually all comes out and he is capable of admitting it and seeking treatment and doing all these things before before the actual retreat, before doing Exodus and Fiat 90, before all those things, I, I don't think we would have made it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have been there spiritually, mentally, physically, any of those things. I, d- I don't think I would have even given them the chance. And I think for you, the same thing. You, I'll let you tell them, but you gave up a lot. Well, um, I made my Axe retreat in 2018. Um, I was started to act out at that, at that time. And, um, I came back home and, you know, I was so, you know, emotional and said, you know, I I never want to hurt you again, but I was, you know, I was 
still doing wrong. And um, in December of 2019, I was called to be director of a Dax retreat. And then um, I guess God seen I wasn't living in the right way. Hmm. And um, COVID came. And shut the retreat down. Oh, we couldn't wow. have a retreat. Okay. So a little providence. Then yeah, things. There was no way you could have this retreat with him being in the shape he was in, then, and not admitting it. Yeah, absolutely. God, yeah, does, and he th- knows what he's doing. Things, you know, things shut down, and then um, Christy found out about my acting out, and um, I turned my life around to God. Yeah, I know uh, there's um, having had the ability to go as a retreatant and then also um, the honor to go as a team member, a whole lot of healing going on, even for the people who obviously in that partaking of that whole um, retreat, acts retreat, um, there's people who step up and they're actually sharing their wounds with you. And then there's others that may not get into that situation but there's a whole lot of healing going on, so I could I could definitely attest uh, to where that that had some impact because that that whole program for the folks out there who haven't gone through it, I, I highly recommend it if you ever get an opportunity. Um, maybe you guys could comment on that real quickly as well. Yes. Yeah, so, um, ACTS stands for um, Adoration Community Community Theology and Service. So, um, you you go and make this retreat and you um bring that back to your community and everybody comes together and you know you make a bunch of new catholic friends and and Mm non-catholic and um well the where we left off from the uh that i I, I was director so um once we became you know we could do the retreat again um my mind was right everything flowed perfectly wow and um yeah i I still you know to this day i say god was preparing me to clear my mind of all you know all distractions and cleanse my soul you know for so i could do this retreat you know yeah thank you and uh maybe to recall something you said earlier too about you know you're doing excess 90 you were giving up other stuff and you said like those are small ways to prepare for some of those bigger moments and it's, I think, uh, kind of like what you said, like you either didn't have the words, didn't have the language, didn't have the disposition to even have the conversation. Right. But having those small instances of the things that you were doing is a way to practice moving toward that. Um, like even last night, my wife and I were talking about, again, we have, well, we're boys, almost two, uh, learning so many things about parenthood. Yeah. <laughs> and also even about ourselves as people as as parents and i thought i was a patient person i'm learning i'm not as patient as i thought i was <laughs> not with a two-year-old not with a two-year-old no. for the next year it'll be rough but then after that it'll be good okay thank you for <laughs> the assurance but but we were talking about that and i had an instance over the weekend where you know he was doing something and i was trying to guide him and offer him some direction and he did the exact opposite of what i wanted him to do and and i kind of lost my my patience a little bit and you know, said a couple curse words under my breath and I was cleaning up his mess, very frustrated and, and realizing that, you know, in the moment I was justifying, he doesn't understand. He's not 
going to be impacted by this. I'm just going to take the time and, and get where I need to be mentally. But that's not the way to really do it. And so we were talking about that. It's like, like no, like I need to practice better about, like, he is impressionable with what mm-hmm. I do. Even if he doesn't see it, if he doesn't hear it, and just the habits that I'm making for myself will impact our relationship in the future. And so it's that that mental exercise of, okay, this is what I did before. This is how, if the situation arises again, how I'm, I'm going to handle it. Because until we practice it, we can't do it well. I had a, um, growing up, I was a, I was a bowler. So I did a lot of bowling growing up. I was an amateur, traveled, did a bunch of tournaments and stuff. Did not know that. Oh, all right. Disclosure. Yeah. yeah. There we I go. Thought Disclosure. He said baller. So I was like, wow, look at you. Do oh, that, do. No, that'd be cool. But no, <laughs> bowling. So uh, I was a bowler my entire life growing up. Uh, bowled all through school and had a scholarship in college and traveled the country and did a lot of really cool things. Impressive. One thing my bowling coach told me that I will never forget. He said, amateurs practice till they get it right. A professional practices till they can't get it wrong. Hmm. Oh, I like that. And so when it comes to, you know, our marriage and how we interact with our children and, and these habits, it's like we need to continually be practicing the things that are meaningful for those relationships. Absolutely. Uh, so thank you for, for offering those. And kind of leads into one of our, our next questions is, you know, maybe can you share something you've learned, how porn or sex addiction affects not just your, your relationship, but, you know, children in your life, like your friendships, like the relationships around you that kind of like what you mentioned earlier, we can easily compartmentalize mm-hmm. and think that it's a completely separate part of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe thinking about that differently. I mean, I understand that, um, you know, porn and masturbation rewires the brain. Mm. And for me, that's a scary thought. Mm. Um, and it's such an easy addiction or an easy whatever to hide. It's, sure. it's, it's just not that hard to hide. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would imagine that would affect all of of your relationships. I mean, even if you're, even if our, so our kids are older, but if we had had children and they would have been in the house at the time, how differently this may have turned out, what would they have seen? Uh, would, would they have seen his sometimes aggravation or struggle that he had, even though he couldn't name it and I couldn't name it, but there was something in there. Um, I do remember saying this in one of the healing hearts, uh, meetings that we had he used to be gray in color gray, he had a gray pallor to him that wasn't always but in the last years which would have coincided with his acting out and now he doesn't like I find him to be very handsome and mm-hmm. colorful and all the things that I always thought he was you, you got it brother. was you later got <laughs> <laughs> thank big, you big He's smiles such a, all around such a ham yeah. such a ham um, I don't know if that answers your question. No, but it does. Like, cause like you said, some things can be easily hidden. It's like, you know, sex addiction or other things, uh, like mom with my gambling addiction, like there's things that are very easily hidden, but, but even if you can hide it, quote unquote, the mental energy and the, the physical effect is a real thing. I think for a lot of people, um, cause like you said, like the constant either trying to hide something or or lie or tell a different story it's you know that i think in many times can take more effort and more energy and more expense i see your face yes yes yes, um i I can contest to that because 
I was <clears throat> very impatient with the grandkids. Hmm. Um, I mean, I was always hiding my phone. That was a, a big job. I was, I was always tired. Um, it had to yeah, have been exhausting just it, being it was, that. It, it was a big relief whenever I could lay my phone on the table or next to her and not have to worry about anything that I was doing wrong. It was a, a big relief. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because uh, we talked about science, but thinking actually does take energy. A lot of people don't think that it does, but mental energy truly burns calories and it, it affects you physically. So yeah, like you said, if you're constantly worrying or stressing or fretting about protecting something or hiding something like that's a real effect and it, and it can have ripple effects in other relationships and, and in ways. Uh, yeah, because he was probably always trying to com keep it compartmentalized. Sure. And anytime he had to worry about it would just bring that to the forefront front of his mind which would just start that cycle all over again so had he been you know single or whatever else it probably wouldn't have been as bad in that way because he wouldn't have had you know to hide it so much but this made him you know hold the mirror to his face constantly which is something he didn't want to do yeah. I mean, didn't know how to do yeah can I ask i'll say ask a more personal question but uh like i know my my life and, and others i've recognized um so professionally, I do marketing and research. And one of the things we always try to look at for consumer behavior is, uh, so Newton's second law of motion, right? An object will remain in motion unless acted upon by an outside force. And so the goal of marketing is to kind of be that outside force and, and get people's attention. But in terms of maybe something, uh, something we did or something about ourselves we're trying to hide, it's... Um, you know, we're trying not to be affected by things that are outside of us, but also it's, it's this idea that we, you said like we can control or try to control when in reality, like, yes, we have free will, but for the most part, other people do depend on us. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that sometimes it takes that outside force to be something that is humbling. Yeah. I think for Lent, you know, like a really good theme for a lot of people is humility. And so unless there's some major catalyst in our life for those things to come to light. Uh, and in particular, I'm just trying to think of the example, like Tom and I were talking before y'all got here about, um, I know uh, many young men and even some young women that had these problems before they were married and thinking that marriage is going to change it. Yeah, nope. So I didn't yeah. have to ask the question and you answered it, right? No. But yeah. that, you know, our perception of sex and our perception of how we engage in a relationship oftentimes is formed by our experience with pornography and, and what we quote unquote can learn about sex without actually experiencing it. But thinking that marriage is like this magic switch that's just going to make it all better. Yeah. Yeah. No, I have not heard any evidence to that mm -hmm. that ever said that. I've listened um, to a lot of podcasts and I read a lot, you know, just being a, a literature person, I just dove right in and just like, how can I fix this? How can I fix myself? How do I, you know, how do I go about this? And everything I read 
all the I'll say guys I know it's not just a guy thing mm-hmm. but I'll, I'll use guys for our situation all the guys said you know when I when I got married I figured yeah. you know I was gonna get all the sex I wanted or whatever else and we all know that's not what it's about now he didn't know that mm-hmm. they don't know that at the time but you know now when we look back and after therapy and after retrovi and after SA and all the work that we've put into it we you know we know now we know that's there's no evidence that I've ever come across. The guy said, I got married, and it fixed all my problems. Mm. I didn't hear that. No. It exacerbated, if anything else. It's extremely disproportionate attention. Because mm-hmm. I've heard someone else tell me, like, before we got married, you know, sex is less than 1% of the time you spend together. Oh, yeah. So if you can't live with yourself or enjoy the other 99%, mm. are you going to have a fruitful marriage? Mm. And it's like, I had to ask that question. Like, we... I don't know other friends who had to kind of grapple with that realization because yeah, you kind of go into this with all this anticipation mm-hmm. and excitement and, but then I don't say reality sets in as a bad thing, but yeah, the, the fantasy and the expectation of what you think should be is shattered. Absolutely. The evil one has been doing whatever he could possibly do to get rid of marriage and family. We know that. Mm-hmm. We know that's why, when we were talking before about theology of the body, why it's as important now and as relevant now as it ever was, mm-hmm. even when it was written, because of that. And because porn is so easy, uh, easily accessible, because all these things are at a, at a fingertip, this has just been a, a goldmine for the evil one, and this is what he wants. He wants to destroy marriage and family, and if he can... He'll do it anyway, and if it's if it's porn, porn does it. Affairs, any addiction of any kind, alcoholism, drug, gambling, whatever. Yeah. He'll use whatever he can against us. Yeah. Oh man. So I see you brought in a, a workbook. Yeah. Um, so Jay and I, we we talked about doing retrovi. That was a, another saving grace. At the same time, we did it in September of 2020. And we went in uh, with the idea that if God saw fit that he would give us the tools to help us save our marriage, we would do whatever he asked. Mm. And that has meant for us to be presenters ourselves. Mm. So uh, we're with the Baton Rouge Retrovi. And we were sent to formation a couple of months, like six months later, I guess, the following spring. We, we uh, were sent to formation school where we learned to uh, prepare our talks, how, you know, how to do it. The, and then we presented for the first time in October. And we're presenting for the second time here in Louisiana in March, uh, March 10th, the weekend of March 10th in Baton Rouge is a retrovi weekend. And uh, that is something I highly recommend for anyone, even even non-Catholics, if it's retrovise a, a peer-to-peer ministry, marriage ministry, where people like Jay and I and a priest will share our story, just simply tell our process mm-hmm. yeah. with the hopes of giving another couple in the room the idea that not only can you survive, you can thrive. You can you can have a successful marriage. There's a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. There's something on the other side. If you're if you're willing to communicate and try with your spouse, God will help you. He'll give you the tools. He'll put the right people in your in your path. If that's what you want, he'll give it. He'll give it to you. Mm. Awesome. Yeah, much thanks. much needed program out there. With um, you know statistics seem to 
lean heavily towards uh, divorce in our society. And I know I read several reports um, during COVID where they, you know, um, divorce actually went up. People mm. having to spend more time together and yep. grew apart previous yeah. to that. And it really kind of, you know, put both folks in a, in a room, so to speak. And so, um, yeah, being able to share success stories, and like you said, people being able to be motivated by, you know, unfortunately for the struggles that you guys had to go through, but, uh, you know, huge kudos again for, for turning this around and, and looking to, uh, to go outward with, with your story in the hopes of helping others though. Fantastic. But also too, for likely not for everybody in the way that you've done it, but Greg also said something last week that I think was pertinent and that if you have something, it's meant to be given away. Mm. And so for some people, maybe the healing process includes being able to share and help others heal themselves or find healing themselves. Absolutely. Would you say that was something for y'all too, that you're finding healing through sharing? Absolutely. The, the formation process was very healing, Jay. Yeah. Um, so they sent us to Wisconsin and um, you learn how to write your talk and um, mm. writing, getting all expressing your feelings and everything on paper is healing and um it's a big it's a big part um and and retrovite does stand for rediscovery so you know you you it's, it's teaching you to to communicate with your spouse learning how to communicate with each other again yeah that's awesome and i think too it's super good that they take that approach because some people that might get to a certain point of wanting to share because they, they have a lot of energy, they have a lot of uh, excitement around possibly experiencing some healing and, and getting to that point of, you know, finding reconciliation. They just want to go out and shout it from the rooftops, but they might not be equipped to share that message quite yet. Mm-hmm. And so like you, you saying that writing it out is part of the, the process itself. And I think that's also pretty valuable. Mm. Um, I mean, one of the reasons I stepped away from active ministry for a couple of years was getting married and learning things in a completely different way mm-hmm. and realizing that I had a lot of stuff in my head, hmm. but it really needed also to be here in my heart to be able to share it appropriately. And so, because I, I can say a lot of conceptual things, a lot of theological things, but to be able to speak to that experience in a way that's meaningful for other people, but also, I guess, appropriate for other people. Yeah. In words that are, you know, uh, in ways that they can hear them is important. To meet them on their level. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Awesome. So you've mentioned Retrovi earlier. We mentioned Exodus 90 and Fiat 90. Mm-hmm. So are there any other resources that you either use or would recommend for people that might be going through something similar? Definitely um, Healing Hearts. You had Margaret Rooks. We talked about that a little while ago um, on your podcast a couple podcasts ago definitely would recommend that and i would definitely recommend a good marriage counselor we jay and i were both married before and um we went through the annulment process with the uh, father sibley was our priest at the time and he guided us through and we you know we were so, we were so happy to be back in the sacraments again um of course we also thought you know so naively we weren't going to mess this one up we already messed up the first ones <laughs> like so but it actually uh you know really when it came down to it both of us were determined to 
we'd gone to the annulment process. We had our marriage blessed. We knew that, you know, like I knew there was this man that I loved that was there in there. I knew that. And I knew that we could, we could find each other again. I knew that we could figure this out if we just had the right tools. And so I would, I would definitely recommend a good, if you can't find a Catholic priest, although or a Catholic, um, therapist you know start with your start with your priest they'll give you they'll give you a lot of a lot of uh, resources too but there are a lot i mean you could just google that's what i did i just literally googled you know catholic therapy and went on with that and we were we were led in the absolute right direction so awesome uh i know a few things that we want to recommend is so the book we have in front of us is called the porn myth by matt frad Mm -hmm. and we were talking about how for us it's it's meaningful for to have this conversation in regards to our faith but for many people, they they don't want to have the conversation of faith and sex mm-hmm. in the same sentence. And so what this book does is takes some of the scientific conversations or the biological questions and put them in a way that's still showing and proving that, you know, pornography addiction and all these other things are still harmful. Mm-hmm. You know, regardless of religion and in your relationship with God, it's this is not good for us as people and as humans. And so that book, uh, The Poor Myth, he also has a YouTube channel called mm-hmm. Victory, mm-hmm. where he goes through stories and helps people share their story about very similar to what y'all have done today uh, to be inspirational and offer some hope for people that are searching. Um, Integrity Restored, yeah. uh, I think, is a, a good resource for, for men also. Mm-hmm. Uh, IntegrityRestored.com. And then I think we've mentioned a few times too, but uh, Fight the New Drug, and particularly for young people, not for all, you know, just young people, but uh, it's a movement, I think, of a lot of young people, either teenagers or young adults, that are trying to fight. We've said addiction numerous times today, but it really is a drug. Mm-hmm. And like you said, self-medication in so many mm-hmm. ways. So uh, that movement offers a lot of good content and resources for young people that are seeking some resources. Unashamed, Unafraid. You ever heard of that podcast? have not. have now, though. They are. Uh, it's some, some guys that met through their church. They're Mormon. They're out of Utah. Okay. Um, but they they do a good job of explaining they don't it's not all about you know, uh, mormon principles and mormon religion but they you know that it is faith based for them but they get real and raw about their addiction you know the owners of the pod, the people who started the podcast are the ones who were you know recognized that there was absolutely a need to get the word out there about sex addiction porn addiction uh, so we mentioned a few things for men, but we also want to point out, as you've mentioned too, like this is can be a problem for also women. Yes, it's not just a, a male problem. So uh, I know we said had the conversation with Becky and Margaret. Um, Becky actually facilitates a retreat called Broken and Beautiful that mm-hmm. helps women who've gone through. Yeah, Broken and Beloved. Broken and Beloved. Yeah. Right. Um, so that retreat is available. Uh, check out our website to find it. Uh, Magdala Ministries is also a healing ministry for women who are struggling with porn use or sexual addiction. So yeah, there's, this is not just a male problem. This is a, a human problem. A lot of the resources that we're mentioning today um, can also be found on our disarmofoundation.org website. Mm. Um, so you can go there under our um, ministries mm-hmm. and it's Theology of the Body Community of Acadiana. And then you could scroll down. We have a whole list of um, different, uh, including the ones that we mentioned and more on uh, on the resources page awesome so i think as we kind of wrap up our conversation uh is there any last words or parting thoughts you would want to share with listeners that maybe we haven't touched today 
Um, well, I want to just thank y'all and Becky for asking us to be here to share our story. Um, hopefully it will do something for someone get, to do some good. Um, but there is, uh, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I'll use that metaphor again. There, there really is. It can be. Um, you can have a, you can survive this. You can thrive. You can have the marriage you've always wanted. Mm. You just have to trust Jesus. I trust in you. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Um, if you are struggling with a uh, porn addiction or any other kind of addiction, um, seek help and um, don't do it alone. Yeah. Get some help. Awesome. Um, thank you both so much again for offering us some words of uh, wisdom and courage and, and hope. Like you said, healing is possible. It's one reason that we we're doing this because mm. instead of giving into despair or you know, wallowing in, in pain and, and misery, like healing literally is possible. Mm-hmm. It takes some time. It takes some effort. It takes a lot of work. A lot of prayer. A lot of prayer, a lot of support, but it's it's there, like it's possible, as long mm-hmm. as we, we desire it and, and we ask again for that help and, and for the graces and mercy from the Lord. So, And thank you for joining us today. You can find everything we referenced and discussed in today's show notes. If you'd like to contact us with a question or comment or anything you want to share, let us know please send an email to handbookfh1 at gmail.com. Again, that's handbookfh1 at gmail.com. Please subscribe to this podcast. We're available on all major networks such as Spotify, Apple, or Google. If you have a minute, please leave a review. Honest, what you think. We definitely want to know. Share with your friends, family, anyone who is human that you think can benefit from these conversations. Handbook for Humanity is a production of the DeZormo Foundation, a nonprofit whose goal is to support the dignity of life, born and unborn. If you would like to support Handbook for Humanity and our mission to share truthful conversation about the body, spirit, sexuality, and being a better human today, visit DeZormoFoundation.org. That's D-E-S-O-R-M-E-A-U-X Foundation.org. To donate, look under Funds column and choose Theology of the Body. Thank you for your prayers and support.